Hey, it's Chris. And Kylie. We're just a couple of jerks who need help following Jesus. Our podcast is all about humility. And finding direction and purpose. Especially when life gets hard or things don't turn out like we thought they would. Welcome to Following Jesus for Jerks. Welcome back. Hey, everybody. Hey, yo. Thanks for uh, thanks for for joining us uh, another week, uh, another episode, and uh, we're we're so grateful. We we continue to pray for you, pray for us, please, please, oh, please, Just Lord, help them not be jerks, uh, get their stuff together so they're not such jerks anymore. Um, hey, Chris, we uh, last time we talked about um, international, mm. this podcast mm. being worldwide, worldwide, worldwide. I it made me think. You've been a lot of places around the globe. What's been the like the coolest place that you've ever been? Non ministry question, right? Just like in general. No, just yeah. Oh man, I'll tell you, it's a it's a place. Well, I don't know, man. That's that's rough. I lived in Brazil for a, a tiny bit. Okay. I loved Brazil. Love Brazil. Why? Because it's it's very much like the U.S. <laughs> and what I, no no what I mean is what I what I mean is it's a broad country. It's just like Fort Wayne, and just like Fort Wayne. No no, it's a broad country. And what I mean by that is, just like in the U.S., there's very poor. There's very poor. I think the very poor in Brazil, not only are they more poor, way more poor than the very poor in the U.S. They're oh my god, they're such great people. Yeah, they're they're a warm people in the north of Brazil and Amazon. You know, but but then you, you have. You know, geez, you go to the south of Brazil, they're, they're blonde hair, blue eyes, right? Uh, and, and, and again, economically, uh, the variety of people, the variety of backgrounds, it's just very broad. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. But the cool, and I, and I love the Middle East because I traveled there a lot, mainly because I fit in. <laughs> <laughs> but the coolest place you asked about, a place called Byron Bay, Australia. Ooh. And it is the easternmost place in Brazil, in Brazil. It's very east of Brazil. No, it's the <laughs> easternmost place in Australia. That's like their thing. But it's a cool place. It's a, it's a it's a beach community. It's not very big. It's not very big at all, but it's well known cuz it is the the like last stop on like the world backpack circuit. So you have like all these mm. like rich European kids, you know, take right. a year off of college to backpack through the, you know, go through Europe, you know, go through India and Thailand. And that's like the last stop. Gotcha. But for me personally, the reason it was the coolest thing. I don't know, man, I'm a very, uh, I'm a very like type A type. I'm, I'm usually go, go, go. That's just part of my nature. And when I was, I was there for a very short time, but, but I found, I think I was there for two weeks. And one week was like ministry and one week was like, take a sleazy, you know? And I found that something about that environment, something about the culture there, something about that environment made it so I I was able to like turn off and relax. Mm. I'll never forget it. (laughs) That's awesome. Got my ears pierced there. You know, I used to have my ears pierced. No, I actually, to... yes, because I saw a profile picture of you from years ago. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, who's that guy?" That happened. I got my ears. I've got my ears pierced twice. First time was with my buddy named Evan at a Walmart. <laughs> Super classy. 
Like by a professional or in like a back aisle? No, so no, no, maybe. by like the person at the counter. So whatever, however you want to define that. Okay, okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we, were, we were roommates. We were just starting out in ministry. And I don't remember what inspired it, but we were like, we want to get our ears pierced. So we went and got our ears pierced. I was just going to ask you why. Yeah. Got one of them. I don't remember why, but. Did you say God wanted them? No. No, God, we wanted them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got one of them. Yeah. Got one of them. Yeah, got one ear pierced. Left ear. It's like I've never had God tell me he wanted me to pierce my ears, but. Well, well. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know that this was God. I don't, I don't want to sit here and pretend I'm like kidding. it was. No, yeah. no, no. But when I was in Australia, in that place in particular, I was reading in, uh, in Deuteronomy and this, I don't know, it just felt right. And again, I'm not, I am not at all sitting here and like, God told me to pierce my ears. <laughs> or. You know, it, it it could very well have been. I probably was. I wanted to do it out of a, a, a sp, had some spiritual significance, and in to me, it had some significance to that particular location, Byron Bay, Australia. Hmm. That you know, uh, in Deuteronomy, we read about the, the 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 slave who's a slave for seven years and then is freed, and if he decides that he does not want to leave his master. He continues to serve him. That the 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 master's supposed to take take him and with an awl pierce his ear to the door mm. of his of his dwelling. Hmm. And that was a, a sign that you're with this guy for life, out of choice, right? Like, right, right. And, and that's I mean, that, I, what a cool thing. And there was there was something God was doing in me and in my heart in that season and in that place mm. that I went and did it. So when I went, so I'm I'm a little, little secret, I'm a little squeamish. I don't like blood gore like i can't watch like gory movies i may have like gone lightheaded or fainted at the sight of blood before you know minor little thing like that maybe 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 and when i you know when i went to when i did that little thing at walmart they had a little gun and sure yeah but when i went to australia and uh, and got it done there i wanted to get both ears pierced and they were like okay we got you and they pulled out this needle that was as long as my arm I'm probably exaggerating, but this giant as heck needle. I'm like, where's that going? And like, I, I remember feeling queasy and like, but it was cool. It was cool. And cool. so I got a couple diamonds, you know. It's yeah. Just, just little cool things like that. Nice. I don't have my ears pierced anymore. I don't think I ever would again. I'm 36. What am I going to do? Uh, yeah, I, I would have. Uh, it was the big thing back when I was like in high school. So. You know, early nineties and our our deal was like we would we knew we were gonna get kicked out of the house. Mm-hmm. And so it was just it was never really an option. Gotcha. For <clears throat> funny story. And then we'll get we'll get to the meat and potatoes of this thing. Yes. All about you. <laughs> this one is all about me. So I'm gonna tell you more another story about me. Recently, I don't know, I just wanted like a change yeah. in my life, you know. I wound up getting another tattoo, but I don't know. I just wanted to like change change something up, you know. I don't know. I, I felt like that. This is maybe a, a year or so ago, and so I thought about maybe getting a nose ring. Sometimes I still think about getting a nose Are you ring. Serious? I am serious. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what happened. Uh, yeah, I thought about getting a nose ring, huh. and I still don't know how I feel about it. But occasionally, it's I like, do. <laughs> <laughs> I, the truth is, I just don't think I can pull it off. I don't mean like a, a middle of the nose thing, but yeah. I mean just like maybe a little a little hoop on like one nostril or something like that. Okay. I had a look on your face says it all. But here, so you'll you'll really appreciate appreciate the story. So like I, I mulled this over for like weeks. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do it. Like I can't I can't like it's it's not it's irreversible. I mean it's not irre- it's it is reversible. Like if I don't like it, I just take it out, but let me just do it. 
So I go to a, 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 a piercing shop, a piercing tattoo shop that I've never been to before here in Fort Wayne. And, uh, <clears throat> it's, you know, it's, a, it's not such a busy night. They're, they're going to get some stuff ready for me. And, like, I didn't have an appointment or anything. We just walked in. And there's, like, a, a young girl behind the counter. She's the one, like, making the appointments and stuff like that. And real sweet girl. And she's probably in her, like, early 20s. Sure. And, and I just asked her an honest question. I just go, look, just be honest with me. I was like, you won't offend me. Do you think I can pull it off? Because I'm insecure and, you know. Sure. And, and she was so encouraging. She's like, yes. She's like, yeah, it'll look great on you. This, that. And she goes on and on and really, like, boosts my, boost my ego. You know, <laughs> a pretty young lady telling me that, yeah, you can right. pull it off. And then she pulls this out. Now, remember, I told her I'm not going to be offended. All sorts of offense at this. She goes, she goes, I personally don't have a problem when guys your age. <laughs> oh, there it is. Oh, and I was like, you know there what? Cancel is. my appointment. I got out of there. <laughs> I'm like, I am not getting one. <laughs> and uh, to this day, my nose is uh, as clean as a whistle. Well, uh, we're glad that you guys are all here for this. Uh, I've, I've got a needle here, and we're going to oh do this live on our podcast. No, that's, uh, yeah. I, 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 there are several things. Yeah, as we get older, where it's kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I, I don't think I yeah, can roll just, with that anymore. It's just, it's just not. I don't. Just becoming comfortable with who you are and and what stage you are. Every now and then, thank you, Kyle. Every now and then, though, I do. Us. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not yeah no, no, no. You. <laughs> Every now and then, I do. I do wonder, can I pull this off? And then I just think about that young girl saying what she said, and I'm like, you know, I'm I'm okay. I'll, I'll yeah. just get another tattoo or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, today, Chris, is all about you, and so um, last time we got to hear my story yeah, and the yeah. journey that's gotten, gotten still, us here still, on this couch. Still awesome, man. I love, I love hearing it. And uh, and we've heard bits and pieces of your story, but just kind of want to hear the journey that the Lord's taken you on in your life and how you have gotten to where we're sitting here sharing you know, this podcast. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm excited. I... I I remember the first night we met, um, and and you just you felt like the Lord led you to uh, to the church, and and we had a I thought a, a good discussion. Could tell immediately that there that you were in a place of humility. I mean, you mentioned that you shared just I think briefly part of your story, but that you really had a desire. I didn't know any of you know your your history. Uh, I just knew the brokenness that you'd walk through and that you were in a place of surrender and humility and continue to to learn more about you and the journey that you've been on and, and how that's affected your life and how God has been glorified yeah. in it and, and re- redeemed and restored so many pieces of the brokenness that you've shared. And so I'm, I'm excited to hear from you uh, today, hear more of the story. <clears throat> for you to have the ability to share it with our listeners yeah. and um and to celebrate God through all of it. So yeah. yeah. So tell us what's uh tell us your story. Well, I was born a test tube baby. <laughs> <laughs> Life has never been easy for me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, uh no, but you know sim- similarly to what you, what you shared last week, like I grew up, you know, the a good family, I, you know. I mean, look, everyone's got their junk, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, we, we we certainly do, and, and did, and still do. And but uh, but I grew up, you know, younger sister, both parents, 
in the house and uh man we like we had what we needed like god god was good to my family and and i I like to describe the way i grew up as you know christian enough (laughs) Mm. as you know we sure we went to church and you know but it 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 didn't mean a whole lot to me i'm i'm i imagine you know if life ended when i was very young i'd I'd be in heaven you know i probably would Unless there's some stuff I don't know about, but like, like I probably would, you know, we, 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 I was Christian enough and it wasn't till, it wasn't till 2005, 2006 where, man, like all that, all that finally came to a head. Like I, you know, I had periods of, of, of revival, if you want to call it that, of, of actually like searching after God and, and finding you know, like and him finding me and, 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 and having greater seasons of intimacy. And, um, and even, even came to my addiction, you know, I shared week one and, and several times since that I am coming, you know, I'm in recovery of addiction and lust and pornography. And that started, boy, I started when I was in high school. I remember, and this is before the internet was like super prevalent. And I remember, I remember getting my license in high school and, Man, dr- I mean, driving sometimes an hour to find a store that didn't care that I was under 18. And that was far enough from my community mm-hmm. where I can buy some magazines or DVDs or something like that. And, you know, both my parents worked. I'd, I'd come, I'd play hooky from school and just come home and just mm-hmm. consume. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's something unfortunate that's been with me since, you know, that, that, that addiction. Uh, took seat then, as it does in, in many young men and uh, many young women nowadays sure. too. Like yeah. it's not an exclusive thing anymore. And so I went unchecked for years, discovered the internet. That was really healthy for me. And uh, and then in 2000-something, um, I was was working with this church, uh, giving give sort of music lessons to their band. Um, they wanted to start a youth band and they and they said, well, we'll start it if we have, you know, their, their leadership said, we'll let you start it if you have some kind of like adult in charge. hey oh, <laughs> that was me. And so um, got to help them start that and, 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 and kind of disciple them along in, in music. And as a result of that, uh, got to take part in a mission strip that absolutely wrecked my life. You know, they they... The, the church had found some money and decided to send any of their youth who wanted to go. They were going to pay for their any of their youth who signed up to go on a missions trip to Brazil. And uh, I heard they, you know, because I'd had these relationships with these kids, they're like, hey, can you, can you do this? Like, can you be a chaperone? Mm-hmm. And I was like, sure, free trip to Brazil. I got a passport. Like, let's do it. So I pack work boots and jeans thinking we're going to go there and build some homes for the poor and things like that. But well, that is not what happened. We get there, and I find out uh, this whole thing is about the healing power of God. Mm. And uh, I did not really believe in the healing power of God. I thought it was a bunch of baloney. I thought, you know, my only exposure to that really had been these these uh, TV preachers Right, and I thought that was just a, a, a crock. Mm-hmm. Like, how dare them like prey on stupid, innocent, vulnerable Christians like that? 
and uh, just this money making scheme and didn't you know didn't didn't so here I am in Brazil stuck a little bit right because guess what as a chaperone I found out I was actually also in charge of leading six nights of healing meetings at a at a couple churches and so whoa um, you know it took the first night the first day and night I spent there freaked out of my mind like what am I doing here what what is this all about I don't agree with any of this or believe in it. And I'll never forget the first service that I was part of the ministry team. It was, I, I'd been in Brazil for about 24 hours at that point. It's the first church we went to after receiving some training that I frankly didn't pay attention to. We go to this meeting and someone preaches. We're standing up front, up, up front. People are supposed to come pray for, you know, we're supposed to pray for them, for God to heal. And I, I remember this woman coming up. Uh, she spoke Portuguese. Um, I didn't have a translator, but through a bunch of pointing and things like that, uh, and, and, you know, uh, uh, charades, ministry charades, we figured out this woman had fallen down some stairs years before and was in, uh, I'm sorry, weeks before, was in some pain. And so I remember what I prayed. I, I remember word for word what I prayed for her. What I prayed was, Lord, what the hell am I doing here? What it, like... I don't even believe in this. Like, what? what's supposed to happen now? I don't, like, what am I doing here? And all of a sudden, she, like, her face perked up. And she's, and she, like, motioned. I, I, she got healed. Hmm. And me being so full of faith. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I thought it was still about me. I'm sitting here thinking, well, that just proves that this is a, a load of BS. I didn't even pray for her. And she gets healed, quote unquote, right? Like, of course not. And a translator came over and, and we interviewed her. And sure enough, she's like, yeah, I felt God touched me when you prayed for me. And pain went away. I'm like, okay, whatever. Bless you, lady. See ya. And then another lady came up who, uh, and the translator stayed right there and, and told me what happened. And she had gotten electrocuted. Seven, I think seven years before, something like that. Electricity went in one hand and wrist and went out the other. And since then, for that many years... She has lived, she said, on a scale of 1 to 10. The pain has been a 10 all of the time in both of her hands and her wrists. The only time she doesn't feel pain, the only respite she gets from it, is sometimes it's once a day, sometimes several times a day, her hands would go totally numb. She would lose all feeling, all control. She was holding stuff, she'd drop it. And sometimes it would last for minutes, sometimes it would last for hours. And she says that was that's the only time she doesn't feel pain. Her family is sick of her dropping stuff. She's she breaks everything. She hasn't held her grand her grandchild that that her her, her kid just had. And uh, and I'm sitting here. I'm like, this is a real problem. And and she asked me to pray for her. And the translator stayed there, so I couldn't pray the way I prayed last time. But I prayed for her, and I saw God move on her life and move in her body. And this woman who came up with, she was so broken. And I, 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 she was so confused about God's goodness. All of a sudden, I saw the Holy Spirit touch her. I don't mean like I saw something otherworldly or anything like that. Like, but I saw on her face the Holy Spirit touch her. And all of a sudden, this woman, her face was all contorted because she was in so much pain. Her, her hands were clenched. And all of a sudden... Her face cleared up 
And she had no pain anymore. And I'm like, what? What just happened? And it, it, it confronted me. And we went on to see some pretty cool things happen the rest of that trip. Saw, I mean, the, the, the miraculous stuff was cool, right? Seeing sure. God touch these people with, with healing that, you know, days before I didn't even believe was real. I can take you back to the hotel, the f- bottom floor, basement of that hotel. I can show you the spot on the floor in their conference room where I was standing there and just said, God, like, there's, this, is, this is more real than anything else I've ever known about you. I've had such a, a shallow walk with you. Like, I, I'm, I don't, I've seen you move and I'm so confused. I don't know all the answers. But I know this is real, and I'm in. Mm. And I can, I can show you where I was standing. And I, I remember just falling to my face, falling to my knees, falling to my face, and just surrendering to the Lord. I came back to the U.S. It was a, it was a couple-week trip. Came back to the U.S., and I just could not go back to life as normal. And... I wound up moving out to Pennsylvania from Jersey. I wound up moving out to Pennsylvania to to, to go to the school and join this ministry. And the, the next few years were a blur of um, just growing in ministry very quickly. There was tons of, I mean, anointing, all those things were there. And, uh, you know, my, because, because my story was a little unique, like, I don't know, it just, it just, it just took off really quickly and, um, sure enough, was started traveling and uh, was preaching all over and doing all these cool things and the whole time, not the whole time. I had I had seasons of uh, sobriety for my addiction, mm-hmm. seasons of it. But you know they 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 there's that that phrase uh, a dry drunk, right? That you never really get over it, and I never had healing. Uh, I was I was sober on the outside, but not sober on the inside. And so while I wasn't looking at pornography or anything like that for a, for a, a good season, um, I mean years, I was still full. I never dealt with the things I needed to, and I was so full of lust, full of pride, full of self selfishness. And you know, as ministry was taking off, I'll tell you what wasn't my character. Because I never, I never let the Lord, even though I had surrendered, it only went so deep. You know, we talked last time about, or a couple couple episodes ago about repentance. Yeah, I repented just enough. I was sorry for me. Mm. But I was living in denial about a lot of things. I figured because I didn't have this outward behavior of lust. And because I didn't do these things, right? And because I was traveling all over, I was preaching these messages, I was doing these things, I was teaching teaching in, in, in all these environments and we were doing large-scale crusades and little little tiny meetings, right? All, literally, all I've been to more places than most people have. I've been all over the country. And because I was doing those things and they were successful, or because I was in line at Starbucks and the Lord would, I, I felt like the Lord would speak to me sometimes and say, 
hey, this person in front of you, or in Kroger, or wherever, this person in front of you, here's the dream they had last night. Here's what it means. Tell them. And I would tell them, and, and it would be right. And they would, you know, they have an encounter with the Lord in, in line, right, or in JCPenney or wherever. I thought, well, I'm okay. I don't need to deal with anything. I don't need to address this. And I said this before. I should have known that something was so wrong with my life because of how easy my Christian my Christian walk was. And it was easy because I wasn't growing. I had no growth. Uh, I forget what year. Out comes the iPhone. Mm. I get an iPhone <clears throat> and all that outward sobriety that I've been experiencing out the window. Something about having a little tiny handheld device. Sure. You can view the internet in your privacy. Something about that brought me back to being knee deep in pornography. Unfortunately, that was a downward spiral that continued as I went through ministry. Went to some went to some very low and ugly places to get my need met. And then uh, I met uh, I met a young woman, and uh, she was into me, and I was into her, and I was like, "Well, that's got to be the answer. Get married to her, marry her, and having lots and lots of incredible Marriage sex, fixes everything. That lots and lots of hot, incredible sex. <laughs> Who's what addiction? I'm not gonna have to worry about it. I'm gonna get my knees met. And boy, uh, the ink had barely dried. Actually, I, we hadn't even gotten married yet when she had made a discovery, looking through some search history of mine, trying to find something. And she found, she came across this thing. And I, Chris, what, 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 what is this stuff? And I remember justifying it and covering it up and, you know, get married. We got married very quickly. Got married. It wasn't, wasn't soon after again. And I was like, no, don't worry. And we, we, we saw a counselor for a little bit and we were good. And I did have a see another season of sobriety, but like anything that you don't address fully, it reared its ugly head again. And we were back in ministry, planting a church, and uh, I'll never forget. It was November fourteenth, two thousand twelve. Our daughter had uh, just turned one, and uh, I get the, the the dreaded text: "We gotta talk." And uh, sure enough, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm home talking, and my, my then wife had found and gotten access to a, a secret email account that had a very, very detailed uh, record of my ongoing addiction, depravity, and honestly, the, the breaking our marriage vows. Let's call it what it is. And so, within 30 days from there. I mean, I, I left ministry, shut everything down that I was doing, and uh, my cousin drove me from our home in Pennsylvania to a Christian rehab for sex addicts in Dry Ridge, Kentucky. <laughs> and man, that was, I'll never forget showing up there thinking, outwardly, the thinking, life is over, <laughs> this is done. Inwardly, man, I was so full of self, pride. I show, I, Kylie, I showed up to rehab thinking I knew all the answers. What's wrong with me? <laughs> and so 
Let me tell you the story of how I spent 10 months in a seven-month rehab. I'm there, and it was very strict, uh, and I needed that. Uh, we had no no contact with, you know, with outside world other than we had jobs that we had to work, but everything was very strict. Um, I could write letters, and I can I can be on the phone a couple times a week for you know a couple couple short short times, and I used all those of course to talk to my 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 wife and daughter right and uh, Lindsay my my wife was so incredibly hurt obviously right I had I had hurt her so deeply over and over again and then now with this like ultimate like Chris you you never you know you said you were working on this we thought we were done I thought we were done with this and here for for a long time. You have not worked on it. And you're back into it. You're back into your, your addiction. So I had hurt her so much. So those, you know, as you can imagine, those those conversations were just super healthy and great, you know. <laughs> um, but three months into my program there, my counselor, his name was uh, Brad Whitney. I'm, I'm acing every homework assignment. I'm doing great. I'm doing my journaling and studying and, you know, turning in all my homework perfectly. It's great. And he sits me down and he goes, Chris, he goes, we got to talk about if this is the right place for you. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Of course it is. He said, he, he told me, he admitted to me that he's struggling with me and struggling with how to counsel me. He goes, I don't think I'm getting through to you. He goes, you say all the right things. You give all the right answers. You know the Bible, right? You know all these things, but I'm not getting through to you. And I'll never forget, it was a Thursday night and... Uh, my counseling was every Thursday, and he goes, you you have till Tuesday. He goes, I need these three questions answered. If you can't answer these questions honestly, he goes, we really, really need to talk about if this is the right place. And I, I remember being so confused and so angry. And the truth was I was really just, well, if my family finds out I got kicked out of rehab, like I'll never get my family back. Forget it. And here, and then here are the three questions, and they were they were so important, and they still are important in my life. And the first was, Chris, why do you look for ways, little and big, to rebel against the rules and against authority? And that was me. Fortunately, it still is. But now I just admit it. <laughs> but I, but yeah, little little ways and big ways. Number two. Why do you judge everybody? And the third one was the scariest question. And it was, what do you want in life and from the Lord right now? What do you really want? And he kicked me out of his office and he said, come back Tuesday and let's, let's talk. And I remember, I remember running to the chapel, just getting on my face before the Lord. Like, Lord, like if what he's saying is real, like I'm, I'm done for, and I need these questions answered, and I don't know the answers. And, you know, God is so merciful, and he's so wise, and he's so kind. But he's also, like, violently passionate about us. And over the course of the next three or four days, God answered those questions. And help and well help me help me answer them really and, and showed me the truth right mm-hmm. and the the, fir- the first question right why do you why do you rebel <laughs> and 
you know, I came from a, a brand of Christianity where th this isn't exactly taught, but this is what's, you know, that in the beginning, right, God created us in his image. And then, and then we had a little slip up. But deep, deep down, we're still good. There's still this, mm. like, incredible image of God deep within us. And all becoming a Christian means is the, the goodness of God outside meets the goodness of God that's way deep down within us. Mm. And they meet and they kiss and <clears throat> you're all good now. <laughs> I'm simplifying it and, and being a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but that's really what I believed. I didn't know what to do with... With verses like, uh, you know, Jeremiah 17 talks about, like, the heart is wicked and deceitful and no one can know the end of it. I, I didn't really have room for that. I didn't know what to do with that kind of stuff. Or some, of, some of Paul's writing in, in the middle of Romans. I didn't really know how to handle that. So I just didn't. just ignored it. <laughs> but the Lord sh showed me what's really in my heart. And deep down, I'm full of anger. I'm full of rage. I'm full of despair and depression. I'm not good. I mean, if I were good, would I really need him? <laughs> and that right. was the whole point, right? I'm not. I'm not. Inside, I'm dark. We all are. The next thing, why do you judge? And I began to see for the, the first time in my life. You know, I was known for being pretty, pretty bold. I taught very successful classes on prophetic evangelism and being bold out in the community and and boldness opened up a lot of doors for me i was known for that and for the first time in my life i saw that i was very afraid of people i was afraid of what people thought about me mm. i wasn't bold at all i was scared of what people thought and i thought everyone was judging me Because of that, I refused to be vulnerable with anybody. I was never honest about what was going on in me, what I was struggling with. Nobody knew that I had this addiction to pornography. No one knew that I questioned myself and my uh, I had such a poor self-image and all these. No one knew. I always made it look like I had it all together, I had all the answers. Well, because if, if you thought I didn't, I mean, you wouldn't want me to come preach to your church, right? You, wanna, you wouldn't want to come on that mission trip I was leading. And so because of that, oh, I was quick to judge others because I thought everyone was judging me. So it was just easier if I was just, well, let me just judge you first. <laughs> right. And I, and I, you know, Jesus says in Luke, don't be afraid of the one who can hurt your body or can kill your body, but be afraid of the one who after he kills your body can condemn your soul to hell. My fear of the Lord was so low, but my fear of other people mm. was so high. And all that led to, the whole point of those first two questions was to lead me to answering the third one, honestly. And that's why it was the, the biggest question. And I remember Tuesday comes along and I sit down with my counselor and I have to look him in the eyes and answer these things. And then I, I have to tell him the answer to the last question. And I prefaced it by saying, when I tell you this, you're going to kick me out. You're going to. I don't belong here. Because the answer to the last question, what do I really want? I want my sin. I want my addiction. I don't want to be free from pornography. It makes me feel good. It, it makes me feel better. It's me taking care of myself. 
masturbation and pornography and lust. So that's the truth. I don't want to change. And I, I was so embarrassed being that vulnerable. I'd never in my life uttered those words. I was, I was embarrassed because, well, he's going to know that the pain that I'm in being here and the pain that I have just, the fresh pain that I've caused my family isn't enough. That I want what I want. And I remember looking up and he's got this great big old smile on his face. <laughs> and, uh, and that's when I understood that was the point. And, and, he, and he told me that. He said, that now we can start because I've never heard you say that before. And I haven't. And so that's how I spent 10 months in a seven-month <laughs> program. But it really did begin. And I understood. Uh, or God began to show me that the root of my addiction, I think the root of all addiction is pride. I am on the throne of my heart. I want what I want at anyone else's expense. And I'm going to take it to get what I want. And so, well, since then, everything's been great. <laughs> well, great. All right. See you next week. No, no. I, no, not at all, actually. So since then, you know, I had a, a, so, so, many things, so many things have happened just like that. And I don't mean to say I'm going around the same mountain or anything like that, you know. I mean, I can tell you recovery for a sex addict looks a lot different than recovery for an alcoholic or, or a drug, you know, for narcotics or something like that, right? Because that's something outside that you take. James talks about lust, that it's birthed from within. Mm. And so, yeah, I think recovery from that looks different. And I've had great victories and I've had great failures since then. But God is merciful and he's good. And here's what, here's, here's, here's the, the, the next thing he did. You know, you shared, you shared recently in church about hope. You know, we're here in the Advent season, and and it reminded me of how God, like I had hope in so many things. Mm. I had hope in, first myself, which in my counselor's office got, you know, busted up. <laughs> I had hope in the program. I had hope in my friends, that they're going to talk some sense into my ex-wife, right? The fact that I just called her my ex-wife tells you how that story ended, right? But the truth is... Even with all of that, deep, deep down, my hope was in, yeah, my, my, my friends helping restore our marriage. My hope was in my marriage getting restored, that my ex-wife was going to come to her senses and, right, and, and see that I've changed. But because of that, my, my desire to be free was really my desire to get my marriage back. And oh, I was angry with the Lord for a long time because I thought, he could have saved my marriage, but didn't. But on this side of it, I look back and I see that he is he's so serious about him being the end of our hope. Mm. That one by one, all these things I had my hope in, shattered, gone, divorce, brokenness over and over again. Mm. Finances, you name it. One thing after another. Until... All that's left is, I got nothing but you. And I remember when that happened. I remember the divorce was a month final. I'm still trying to win back my ex-wife. And, I'm, you know, a few months prior to this, she had shared with me that, 
you know, Chris, you're so selfish. You don't even, you're not like our conversations. You're not even interested in my life and, and you don't ask me about myself and things like that. And, 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 and it, I took that to heart and realized like, yeah, like I just kind of right. I'm kind of in my own head and I'm, that's not love. Right. And so I'm trying to change and I'm, and she was like, I said, she was totally right. So I'm trying to, you know, tell me about your life. Tell, you know, this and that day they had just moved to, uh, they had just moved. And anyway, so you want to hear about my life, Chris? She told me she just started seeing this guy pretty seriously. I uh, broke a phone that day. Uh, but I, I remember I'd been going to this uh, Celebrate Recovery meeting. Because uh, I'd had a rough landing after rehab, after those 10 months. I don't mean like I went back to my sin or addiction or anything like that. But pause was put on my life for 10 months. And then all of a sudden it just hit play again. It's like everything just caught up. So I was going to Celebrate Recovery. And I remember going there that night and just... Actually, I'll... I'll Boy, so I remember having this conversation with my ex. She's dating somebody. That's the last bit of hope I had. Even mm-hmm. though the divorce was final, my hope was still in her. <laughs> I remember going to bed that night saying, God, if this is what you have for me, if this is the best you can do, I'm done. I don't want to follow you. I can take care of myself better. And I had a whole plan in my head. I was going to wake up the next morning. I had to work. I had to work early. And I was going to, after work, you know, I didn't have any, boy, I had I had a dumb flip phone, right? I didn't have internet and everything, but I was going to go. And I was going to buy myself a little laptop or some Staples or Best Buy. I was going to go McDonald's or somewhere with free Wi-Fi. I was going to find what I wanted. And I don't know. I remember dreaming that night. In my, in my dreams, I'm crying out to the Lord saying, God, you got to make me willing to keep following you. And I would wake up in the middle of the night. I would wake up angry. Stop praying that. <laughs> Stop. Pray- You're done. Stop praying that. And you know, Paul talks about the the spirit that groans inwardly. Even when we don't have words, that's the it groans for us, and that's what was happening. And thank God He answered that prayer. I don't know how I made it to work and through work. And after work, I didn't go to Staples. I didn't go to Best Buy. I went to my Celebrate Recovery meeting, and I remember dumping this on everybody there (laughs) how I felt and that that night when everything was gone I had no hope in anything that's when Jesus revealed himself as hope and I realized all of that leading up to that was to to show me that my hope was not in what it needed to be Mm -hmm. that all I wanted was to get my marriage back. Because if I got my marriage back, well, then I get my ministry back. I get my reputation back. I get all these things back. Well, I didn't need to have anything back. I needed to have something new. Mm. And and that, and then, and that started the journey that we're on now of realizing that there is no other way other than radical vulnerability for me. Yeah. Because I am, 
My greatest temptation to this day is not pornography. It's not lust. It's not drugs, alcohol, or anything. It's, it's hiding from who I am. And hiding that from myself, hiding that from God, and hiding that from others. That remains, to this day, the biggest temptation in my life. That prideful voice that says, you're okay. Make sure other people see you're okay. And so here we are. Deception of the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. Um, it, it, it hit me how easily we can, we get ourselves in the way. Yeah. Like you saw the power of God, even in the midst of your anger, when you were on that, that first trip yeah. and you saw the Holy Spirit meet somebody yeah. who was totally and 100% desperate yeah. for healing for Jesus and saw him come through. You saw it again in that moment where in your dreams and, and you waking up and still being angry and and you saw him show up and meet you in that spot and yeah. bring healing. Yeah. And just to see those two things where in the midst of that, the major part of your story was just you getting in the way, Yeah, which is what we all do. Yeah, it's right. not a Chris thing. It's right. a propensity of all of us to do. And so, man, I, Chris, what I love about you is your vulnerability, your willingness and openness to continue to be transformed by just being open before the Lord and by allowing other people in and then him using that um, for to give other people hope. I mean, I like you said, I, I think the reality is that most men, um, that's one of the biggest issues. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of time that's spent hiding. Yeah. A lot of time that's spent covering it up. Yeah. And, oh my gosh. And making us feel like we are alone in it when the reality is let's let's be vulnerable let's be open that it's the reality of a lot of men's lives and how do we continue to pursue the lord yeah. in bringing healing um so that our lives aren't destroyed yeah so that we, he can be the victorious one in our lives as as we struggle and walk through that so i i love that's what i love about you and um I appreciate the story of your journey and I continue to see how God's worked in you. And I'm, I'm excited to see what the journey is going to continue to look Amen. like. Yeah, me too. So. Me too. Scared at times. Sure. But I just realized I'm just getting in the way. So, <laughs> but we have hope. <coughs> yeah. We have hope and, and a merciful yeah. God. Yeah. And so praise his holy name. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Well, thanks for joining us today again. And, uh, I hope you still like us after hearing our stories. <laughs> yeah. Comment, rate, let us know yeah. what you're what you're feeling, what you're hearing, what you like, what you don't like. Yep. Smash that subscribe button. I heard a YouTuber say that recently. Smash it. Smash it. I don't know. Smash I it. It's a thing, I guess. Is it? I don't know. People say it. I'm saying it. I forget what the what the kids call on the gaming. They oh spam. They spam don't, it. Don't spam us. That's a bad not, thing. Not well. Isn't that isn't that a bad thing? Not I don't know. spam like email, but okay. like when you just continue to like if i'm shooting a gun 
And instead of like waiting to when I should shoot, I just am hammering away at it. We should just end this podcast right now. I think it's a good one. Bye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Beep, beep, beep.